Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. Throughout the course of this project, we have tried to make the case that we as Christians should be putting our trust in Christ and not the state. We still see to this day that the vast majority of professing Christians are seeking their freedom and safety by working through our, or with the state. But if we look at the teachings of Christ in the early church, then we see a whole different idea. Today, Jonathan Canone joins us to talk about his article for thebadroman.com titled, The Dream of the City to Come, Do You Not Trust God? Would you rather serve God than serve Caesar, you know? I'm just trying to live what he said. I'm just trying to live what he said. I ain't scared. I will take one to the head. Go ahead. So it's safe to say that I'm bad. So it's safe to say that I'm bad. Jonathan, how you doing today? Pretty good. Awesome. So this is the first time on the show for you. And I'd like, if you don't mind, to give us a little bit of background of yourself so folks can get a a little acquainted with you so they know who they're hearing from today. You know, the, the author behind this this awesome article, and I really appreciate your, you writing it for us. You want me to start, like, when I was born? Or? No, <laughs> whatever, whatever, you feel, whatever you feel comfortable telling us. It's all up to you. Um, let's see. I studied history and political science in college for about seven years, so I'm a construction worker. And... Um, I have four children and a wife. I uh, live on a little farmette in Virginia, trying to raise food and teach kids how to how to live close to the earth. We have some chickens and some rabbits. That's pretty much what my wife and I bonded over was growing vegetables. And it's more than a hobby, but uh, how I pay the bills is uh, building decks. That, that's interesting because I, I like the idea of people getting back to that, just growing their own food. And, and to me, it seems like a way of trying to subvert the state without the state knowing you're subverting the state. You know, if you're feeding yourself and teaching your own kids and you know what I'm saying. Right. I like, I love that idea. How's that going? Are you kids? Do you, do your kids hate you for uh, teaching them yourselves or are they cool with it? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, but the oldest one's five. But, you know, wow. he, he was 18 months old. We'd, we'd put him outside and say, go play, go play. And he'd like toddle over to the garden and weed the onions. <laughs> and he knew the difference between weeding an onion, you know. And he'd pick rocks, put them in his little wheelbarrow. And I, I said, go play, have fun. And that's what he thought was fun. But, you know, by the time he's 13, he might have a different idea of fun. He's going to be sick of weeding the garden and, and go yeah. <laughs> pick it through onions. He's going to be like, no, you go have fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done having fun with you. Yeah. That's funny. That is so funny. He'll be ordering DoorDash. <laughs> DoorDash has been a, you know, when I first moved to Memphis, I had never heard of DoorDash. And I, I love Chinese food every once in a while. And I've had to stop eating because... I eat so much of it. Mm -hmm. But when I found out before I bought this house out here, when I found out I could have Chinese delivery to my house, it's like a whole new world opened up to me. And I was eating Chinese food all the time. And it was awful. The future's not all bad. <laughs> anyway. All right. So what I'd like to ask you is 
you've been listening to our podcast or following our, our project for a little bit, I think. And I'm really kind of curious to what kind of inspired you to want to write for us and write this specific article. Well, it's kind of what's already on my mind. We, we have, uh, you know, a lot in common. And uh, I've been writing for a number of years sort of on religion and politics, all the things that help us get along better. But really, I'd say a lifelong obsession with the idea that Jesus' kingdom is eternal and everything else is temporary. Uh, Just growing in my understanding of that the older I get. But ever since I was a little, a very small child, I really loved the stories that were sort of parables about the unchanging, everlasting kingdom that was going to have Jesus as Lord. So at this point, my understanding, you know, when I write about it, this is this is what it sounds like. Um, I just got through teaching about four months of adult Sunday school at my church with an emphasis on the kingdom of God, different aspects of it, just going all through the scriptures and seeing what it says about the new world, the new heavens, the new earth, and uh, us being new creations. And what some of the, um, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, sort of how to live as members of that kingdom. Do you find it, do you ever get frustrated with fellow Christians or professing Christians? Uh, Because we've come to this realization that, okay, if we really want to see change in this world, we've got to get serious about following Jesus Christ. We have to get serious about him as our king and no kings but Christ. But when you talk to other Christians about it, and we were talking about it before we started recording, you said, you know, you're talking to somebody that is still like you were 10 years ago. And you're like, oh, man, you're so far away from where I'm at right now. Do you get frustrated with them or do you handle them with uh, velvet gloves? How does that work? Because I try to. And then, and then, and then, but I can only go so far. And they're like, listen, you're not getting it. I don't care that Donald Trump is better than Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. I don't care. You do understand that he's, he was complicit in the murder of children in Yemen. Have you ever heard of Yemen? Let's talk about Yemen. And they, they look at you with this blank stare. And then I realize that I'm coming on pretty strong, but I get frustrated because we're running out of time, man. And people are dying because of our, our belief in the state as Christians. I think if the, you know, if the vast majority of people in this world claim Christianity, if they'd stop believing in the state and just follow Christ, we'd see so much difference. We wouldn't even need 100% following. You know what I'm saying? But do you ever find yourself getting frustrated with these folks? Because, and I do, and if you're listening to this and, and I've been frustrated with you, I apologize, but it really is what it is to me at this point. I, I mean, I remember what it was like. So, you know, I, um, I was not where I'm at now, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. My whole life changed about 10 years ago. We're in a, a new way, in a fuller way. I just, completely surrendered my life to God and said, you, you run things. I'm not good at it. But the long story short is people just drop me breadcrumbs all along the way. You know, you just find a little hint here and a little clue there. And then you have a whole collection of clues and put them all together one day and it blows your mind. 
But if somebody says like, how did you, what's the story of how you got to where you are today? I'd just be like, I don't know. You know, it, and a lot of humor, I think, helped me understand. And, um, and then a lot of scripture. And when you, when you run into an, a wise elder who is all excited about Jesus and all excited about the kingdom of God and not that excited about what the world gets excited about, you know, um, they just have a real gentle way of dropping you a breadcrumb and you don't even know it, you know, you don't even think about like, oh, they're, they're red pilling me hardcore and this is a hard one to swallow. They just, you know, it's, it's in a spirit of humility and, and gentleness that really breaks through to me. Yeah, I need to learn that tact. That's <laughs> I don't have that tact. And I, I get, you know, more than more often than not, I get more frustrated with myself because like, man, you could have handled this a different way. Because I, like I said, like I said, I see everything in, in black and white. I can see everything. To me, everything is right in front of our face. It's almost like the state and corporate media is mocking us at this point. And I can see it so clear in my eyes. And I'm looking at the guy next to me. I was like, are you not seeing what's going on here? This guy at work the other day said, and this is at the time it's recording. This is what uh, a week and a half into the Ukraine-Russia war. And this guy looked at me, goes, I talk about this all the time. The break room has a Fox News on and they're talking about it constantly, 24 hours a day on Fox News. And he goes, man, they're really trying to get us into another war, aren't they? I said, come on, come on, come on. You're, you're there. Yes, you're, you're getting it. They're, they really are trying to get us into another war because, and, I, and this is why it was a great opportunity for me to bring up Yemen. Because the vast majority of the folks that I work with are Trump supporters, okay? Big fans of Trump. And I said, did you know that we've been doing this to Yemen for seven years now? Seven years. And corporate media is not saying a freaking word about it. Why? Why? Let's, let's talk about this. We're getting, we're going to get into your article, I promise. But I love this conversation. And he looked at me and said, seven years? I said, yeah. Barack Obama started this genocide with the Saudis as president. And Donald Trump continued it. Every day of his presidency. And then Biden talked about ending it. And guess what? Biden's talking about, you know, increasing the, his support with the Saudis. And the, when you when you talk to, to folks, we, we call them normies, right? They, and, they, and they look at you with this, like it's like their eyes gloss over, but you can see their, the wheels in their head turning. And that's what I love. That's what I love. Right. It gets it gets in there. It, I mean, it whether or not they consciously admit it, it gets in there. And then just give it time for the seed to grow. But um, there's so much information, man. Like, it's hard to know where to start sometimes. Like, how do we start at the very beginning and say, like, all right, do you know about this, you know, uh, operation? Do you know about how this war started? Do you know about, you know, I ask people all the time, do you know who Henry Kissinger is? It's, it's sad. I wish, I, you know, if Elon Musk just invents one of those ports in the back of your head you can just stick a usb drive and there's zip there you go. But, um, yeah it's hard to get through when i mean you know when people have gone their whole life living in a culture and here's what i was thinking while you were talking is a culture has so many moving parts to it but basically we've made up our minds how we're going to live 
like we're going to buy as much fuel as we're buying right now to get to where we need to go, no matter if it goes up to eight bucks a gallon and we're going to get it the same way as we get it. And, you know, like we're going to eat what we're going to eat. We're going to buy it where we buy it. And no matter how high it gets, but no matter what the cost is, and we don't usually see the costs The you know, we say, oh, this is cheap. I'm going to buy this because it's cheap. But the, the expense is somewhere else. But we've already made up our mind how we're going to live. And the, the narrative just fills in the gaps for us so that it, it makes it make sense. Because like what the way that we live is insane. Like what we're doing to the earth is insane. What we're doing to third world countries is insane. What we're doing to ourselves is an insane way of living. But the stories that we tell ourselves like help us sleep at night. So one thing that, you know, what I want to do for people is, especially people who have faith in Christ, is to take the words of Christ and, and the, his followers and say, this is the story. Get this one. Let's just like marinate in it until it is your story. And it will change the way you live. Like you, you'll start looking at what you do and what we do as a culture and say, this is insane. Like this isn't what, this isn't what Jesus would do. Can you imagine, can you imagine being alive at that time when Jesus was walking around? And do you ever, do you ever think, and I do, I, I think about this quite a bit. Do you ever think Jesus was walking around with his, his head in his hands, just like <laughs> and, and his, just shaking his head thinking, what have y'all done? What are y'all doing? And now fast forward 2,000 plus years, look at what we're doing. Yeah. It's even on a grander scale than what they were, what was happening then, you know? And I, I have to imagine sometimes he just <laughs> he looks at us and just shakes his head. Oh, yeah. He said, are you, you're not getting it. You're not understanding it. You're not, why aren't you getting it? And I, and I, I wonder if Jesus gets frustrated with us or he just continuously loves us constantly without getting frustrated. Probably a little of both, but you know, when he says he saw the the multitudes, he had compassion on them. He said they're like sheep without a shepherd. I'm like, wow, that's not how I. Feel. I'm just like, hey, why are you stupid sheep? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a life, grow up. <laughs> why are you following me around for? And he he had compassion on them. You know. Yeah, we need to, we need to learn that tax, right? I think we can do it. And there's some people that can do it. I've seen it. I've seen people that can handle folks in a way without getting so uh, brash, I guess is the word I'm thinking of. But like Stephen from Anarcho-Christian, I, I watch him talk to folks and interact with folks online. And, I, and I've told him this before because he, when you listen to his podcast, he has a way of teaching that I'm very envious of. You know, I, him and I agree on pretty much everything. There's some things that would differ on a few, you know, here and there. But when I listen to his podcast, he can sit there and just talk to you. And it feels like you're in a Sunday school class being taught something by somebody that knows what, what the hell they're talking about, you know. He can he can really break it down to its essential elements, you know. And to me, on the other hand, I, when I get somebody one-on-one, I'm like, are you not freaking getting it? It's right there in your freaking face. It's right there in your face. And it's right there. Come on, it says it right here, the red words of the Bible. <laughs> it's right there. They wrote it for us. Hey, folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. 
two or three of our contributors had no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. All right. What I'd like to do here is kind of start, we're going to fast forward a little bit in your article, but I love this part of it because it's something that we stress quite a bit is the no king but Christ. You know, when you look at the the nations of this world, the kingdoms of this world, and you see that Jesus wanted no part of it, and you realize that Jesus even acknowledged the fact who was behind these kingdoms, okay? There you go. And he said, and your argument said, with Jesus, or Satan's ability to offer all the riches and power of the world could only mean one thing, that they belong to him. Now, I love, I love this because it's so true. And when, you, when you're talking to another Christian who still goes and gets involved with this stuff, you know, pushes for uh, their statist, okay, but they're Christians, because I've heard this more than once, if we get enough Christians in office, things will get better. But who who's behind this? Who's behind this kingdom? And which kingdom are you claiming to be a part of? Which one do you? You can't go both ways. It's one or the other. So let's talk about that a little bit. Is this something that kind of uh, drove your article? You know, knowing who is actually behind these kingdoms. Yeah. So if you ever watched The Matrix, and he says, "I don't even see the code anymore. I just see blonde, brunette, redhead," and so like, like I don't even see the you know, the front runners, the Putins and the, the Bidens and the Trumps and the and the Winnie the Poos, whatever his name is. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like the gods that, you know, that are in charge. And interesting, when Daniel was praying one time for an answer and um, God sent, I think Michael, one of the big guys, down to give him the answer and it was like three weeks later uh, he says daniel i've i came immediately but i had uh to wrestle with the prince of persia like i um i ran into a little turbulence along the way sorry i'm late i mean so the most powerful you know archangels that god has i don't remember which one it was actually but he says he he had to wrestle you know, I have a message for someone in your jurisdiction and this principality is like, no, you're not getting through. And he has to wrestle with him for three weeks, you know. So even and it's complicated. I don't know how they all get along or, you know, how how God convinces them to uh, sometimes do what he says or most of the time they don't. But you can tell them by their works. You know, it's lying, stealing, de- destroying, murdering and enslaving and that's not anything like what uh, my king does so you know you can tell them by their works who they work for when you're talking to these folks and i keep i always beat up christians on this show man i i, I, I make it a point to beat up christians on this show you know and i and i because <laughs> I, I think the vast majority of folks that are listening to us are going to be on the same page but i like the fact that they can they can share this type of episode with their friends 
and family were like, hey, check this out, because these guys are talking about no king but Christ, and you're talking about no king but Trump as a Christian, you know, or no king but Biden, whichever side you fall on. It's, they're all the same to me. But do you ever want to grab them by their shirt collar and say, listen, man, <laughs> Jesus said we belong to this kingdom. And I like what you said in this article. You know, he was talking about to to the Roman governor. He said, "You say rightly that I am a king." Like they recognized him as a king. Why don't we take that seriously enough as Christians? Because it still holds true today. He's still the king. I mean, he's mm-hmm. still our king. I mean, he's still the king of even people that don't even believe in him. He's still their king. You know what I'm saying? But why don't we take that seriously enough? Well, for for one thing, Americans don't remember what it's what a king is. So. It's almost like using that analogy is, you know, you have to work to get there. Like even the word Lord, like we don't even have lords, you know, that was uh, the language of people who had lords and kings and understood how much power they had. And at this point, you know, we have like CEOs, oligarchs and bureaucrats and, you know, generals. Let me hang on a second. When you say that Americans don't even know what it's like to, what it means to have a king, I think that actually they want a king. Oh, yeah. Because they're not actually voting. If, if we go back to, like, I, bring, I use this quite a bit when I'm talking to, to normies, is that because I can fall back on my understanding of the United States Constitution, you know, like the original intent of the Constitution. They call us a democracy. We're not supposed to be a democracy. We're supposed to be a republic, but the way people publicize and talk about the next president, it's like they're wanting a king. Oh, yeah. They're not wanting a representative. They're wanting a king to tell their enemy how to live is what they're wanting to do. And guess what happens? They end up telling you how to live, too. I mean, could you go back to Donald Trump and people praise him? But I'm like, you do understand that he violated his oath to the United States Constitution every day of his presidency. He was worse on gun rights than Barack Obama was. Um, the Fourth Amendment didn't mean anything to him. He would love to sit in your living room and tell you exactly how to live, and, you, and you'd be all, all about it. Oh, I've got my king of my house. No, guess what? You're a Christian. You've already got a king. <laughs> That's right. Hey, folks. Greg here again. As you know, this project is completely self-funded by me, and all profits go straight to charities here in Memphis. If you have a blog, a podcast, or a product that you would like to advertise on the Bad Roman Podcast, visit thebadroman.com slash ads. I'm so happy how this project has grown, and thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the conversation. One of the main reasons I started this podcast is because I wanted to talk to other people, because I'm still learning this as I go, too. But you you seem very... uh, you seem like a very calm person and like you can handle people with some tact. And I'm really kind of curious how you handle these folks. That's you just... funny. You can ask me. Like, <laughs> I am a... <laughs> I'm so far behind on tact. It's no use for me to try and oh, learn it. I... Well, if you're far behind on tact, then I'm in, I'm in horrible shape then because <laughs> <laughs> I may never, I may never get right then. We got to just figure out where people are at and like, and what they want. And it, like, and one thing I try and keep in mind is, like, I felt very alone and very angry for years and years and years. Yeah, I totally feel that. I still struggle with the anger, but at a certain point, um, I, I came to realize that the ones 
in the body of Christ who can see through the facade, uh, like the way the world looks and see reality behind it and think in those terms and and operate in those terms uh, is, I guess, what the, you know, back in the day, what they would call the prophetic element of the church is about 3%. And a lot of them are so tired of trying and and not getting anywhere, they just keep their mouth shut. They feel um, disenfranchised in the church. So they leave the church or they keep their mouth shut. So it's a very small minority of people who see anything but the way that it is and and accept it as given. So um, when, you know, when I find somebody else who sees a little deeper than surface reality, it's like, oh, good, we get to, we get to have a good conversation now. But for, you know, 97% of, of believer, genuine believers, sweet people, they, um, they're giving, they're generous, they're raising their children right, they're um, doing the best they can with what they know. I'm just like, what's in, you know, where are you at? How do you get to where you are? And, you know, what terms do you use to describe your faith? And then I, and then I have a place to work with. Like I, the big narrative, when it, of course, we keep on. I feel like it's a Bermuda Triangle we keep getting sucked into, but is authority you know it to me it's just another word for power and and to basically everybody that has power got it from god so you see somebody with power obviously they're on god's side so to me that just sounds like might equals right like the winner is has god's blessing and if you if you look at not just the gospel but the old testament and and the prophet's understanding and Mary's understanding, John the Baptist's understanding, and the disciples, the apostles' understanding of power. It does not look like winning at all. I mean, you know, Jesus says, whoever loses their life will find it. Or if you lose houses and lands for my sake, you know, you'll get it back in the kingdom with persecutions. It's not, it doesn't sound anything like, you know, Joel Osteen winning <laughs> um it's it's a, a backwards idea of power and even um submission you know when it says things like uh, submit yourselves to each other um to the king to you know husbands submit yourselves to i mean you know and wives submit yourselves to your husbands slaves submit yourselves to your masters like no, let's start there. Like nobody thinks slavery is a good idea. So, uh, you know, why would a slave who had converted to following Christ? I mean, he has to submit to his master, doesn't he? That's like what a slave is. But basically it's saying you are the one with the authority to live the way that your king shows you to live. So by your voluntary serving another human being, you're showing them Christ's love. They aren't the winner of this situation. It's a broken relationship. It ought not be this way. You ought not be uh, in the situation you're in. They shouldn't be owning you. They shouldn't be treating you the way they are. 
but you're the one with the power because the way that Christ's power works is through surrender, is backwards. And then you just work your way back up the other way. Like everybody knows that you're not supposed to have slaves, but everybody thinks that it's great to have kings. So you just were, you know, if you use the same logic, it doesn't matter how many bombs they have or, you know, how many goons they have, um, how much money they have, um, or how many followers they have. You know, in Jesus said they're going to arrest you and bring you to, to the governors or the judges, the kings. And you're going to show up in handcuffs and open your mouth and my words will come out. Don't even think about what you're going to say. I'm going to use you to get through to them. The kings and governors and judges aren't expecting to hear eternal truth, life-changing truth from somebody in handcuffs. They're, you know, they're my prisoner. They like I they do what I tell them to. They can't move unless I unless I let them. And G- Jesus basically said, "Let yourself be used in that situation." And being in handcuffs is part of of submission to authority. Yeah, I love that's awesome. I, I love the way you describe that because, and we talk about that all the time too. Because when you, people bring up Romans thirteen and when they we're supposed to submit to government authorities, and I, I think there's one very key word in that in that in that scripture is it says submit. It doesn't mean you're obeying. There's a reason why you're in handcuffs, right? Because of your disobedience, but you are submitting and. If people get sick of me using this this example, I always use the example of Rosa Parks, a devout Christian. She was disobedient to some weird laws, some stupid laws, but she did submit, right, without violence, you know. And that's and it to me, and it was proven over time too, especially with the early church. It was proven when you when you take that way of thinking and then. It changes people's hearts, not just their minds, but it changes the way they see us because you're not acting out violently. And you're there's a, a great, uh, we talk about pacifism quite a bit on the show as well, but I think his name is Justin Martyr. He's got a, there's a, there's a whole list of these, these quotes by the early church. And one of the things he says, you know, how we, we gave up our weapons and turned them into plowshares, you know, and he, but he says, but the reason we're doing is the more we are, and I want to say, use the word crucified, the more people are coming to believe Jesus Christ because of our actions. You know, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And I, and I love that he said that because when people are seeing how, I mean, just think about Martin Luther King and what they were doing. Okay. They changed so much by not putting hands on the state. Right. You know what I mean? Now they were working for voting rights and stuff, which whatever. I mean, people, <laughs> you know how I feel about voting, mm-hmm. but the, but the, just the very fact that they weren't putting their hands on the state to change things and not trying to work violently with the state. And it changed so much. It changed so much, you know, but then again, you talk about being in handcuffs and slavery and stuff. I don't feel, I feel like when you, you can bring that up to people and be like, do you understand we're still tax slaves? Right. You know, I mean, they're still stealing our money. They, they just expanded slavery. Right. They didn't really abolish it. They expanded it to everybody. Now we're all slaves. Is this like the Oprah Winfrey moment? Like you're a slave, you get to be a slave. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> but people don't really take that seriously enough. And that's what bothers me so much is because you, 
I've really had some some awesome conversations, and I always end it with it makes you wonder why people go and vote because all they're doing is bitching and complaining about the government, right? I'm like, why are you going to talk to them in every two to four years? Why are you going to put them back in power? You're complaining about them. They're stealing your money. They're taking that money and going and using it to kill people in other countries and kill people in this country. Stop voting. Stop Stop encouraging the beast. Follow Jesus Christ. You say you're a Christian. Let's do it. Let's follow Jesus Christ. Well, let's, to go back to the um, principalities real quick, like we don't need that kind of power and that's what following jesus example you know i'll give you all this just worship me and he's like i worship just one you know just the lord your god and he's the only one i'm going to worship i don't need you to get that kind of power and i don't want that kind of power i've already got the kind of power i want so by you know submission by putting ourselves in a, a humble way, instead of grasping for power, we're testifying that Jesus defeated them. He he. It says he he led them captive. He made a mockery of them. He um, he disarmed the rulers. It says, you know, he's talking about in the in the unseen unseen realm. We talk a lot about Jesus saving us from sin, and you know, saving us from hell. Um, that's the two main things that I'd say American evangelical churches focus on, and that's all true. But there's so much more liberation, uh, a much more well-rounded liberation involved that um, we've forgotten about. But but Mary knew. Mary knew that the Messiah was going to save his people from their sins. You know, the angel told her that, and that he was going to defeat the principalities and powers that have held human beings slaves for thousands and thousands of years. And she was really excited about that. And so I get excited about it and I try and have that be an excited, you know, contagious excitement that um, like we are being set free from, from death. Like we're, we're going to be raised again, like him. We're, we're going to have a new body that's glorified. There's going to be a new heavens, new earth. And, Sin is defeated, hell is defeated, death is defeated, and the principalities and powers have been disarmed. We don't have a covetous bone in our body that we want that kind of power. They're they're losers. You know, they're they're rebellious. They haven't bowed the knee or, or confessed with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord yet. They will someday, but like if we are if we do it now you know it says that we're the first fruits of that new world we're the we're the ones who first believed in christ we're first to declare him as lord and then everything else is going to come around one of these days so their power is just transitory and illusory and i get excited about that i think we should get excited about it. i love that because we should be maybe that's the tact we need right there to be excited about what we know and telling other people about it. It's not the fact that we're saved from death, but there's real freedom in that when you understand that. Like if we talk about freedom all the time, we want to be free. We want to be the left the hell alone. You know what I'm saying? We want our, our independence. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. It dang sure does not come through the state. Not one bit. Well, he said 
do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. He's saying, what's the worst they can do? Kill you? Like, if you don't have a fear of death, they got nothing on you. Exactly. You know, nobody wants to die. Like, I'm not, it, it, when you say we say things like that, people are like, you're, you're just sitting around waiting to die. No, I'm not waiting around to die. We got stuff to do. Now, when, when that time comes, whatever. I mean, as long as somebody is, is able to take care of my cats, that's all I'm worried about <laughs> when something happens to me. You know, I, I'm not leaving this world because, man, and we've seen it over the, the past two years for sure that who wants to be a part of this 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 world? Most people. Um, <laughs> Most people. <laughs> That's part true. of the problem is uh, that looking at the consequences of following Jesus, you know? Oh, no. You know, everybody that followed Jesus got crucified and beheaded and rocks thrown at them and pulled apart and their heads chopped off and drowned and everything set on fire. It looks rough. And that's the fear, the fear of death, you know, like, do I want to turn my back on the world and follow Christ and suffer those consequences? Well, I love what Paul said. He said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Also what nobody's talking about is that there's severe consequences for compromising with the world, not following Christ. Like, they're, you know, they're defeated. The The rulers are defeated. The, their time's already over. And there's a new world, you know, at hand or within you. Like, if you, if you ally yourself with the defeated powers, if you, can, if you compromise with them and say, yeah, I want a piece of that pie, just I don't want to get burnt at the stake or crucified, please, you're, you're, allying yourself with something that's already under judgment so there's consequences either way you can't skip the consequences you just have to choose which ones sound worse <laughs> yeah. well there's a couple points uh, i want to i want to touch on before i let you get out of here and get back to your family but it, it, it towards the end of your article you said if we identify ourselves by nation state or race or political party pledging our allegiance to a nation and its flag holding this military and worshipful regard, etc., we are telling Jesus that his kingdom of peace is not what we want. And that's such a strong statement, too, because I, I think you just were talking about that, too, because if we're pledging allegiance to the United States of America, to its flag, to its military, to the rulers of this kingdom, then we're telling Jesus... We don't want what you have to have to offer. You know, and it's the same thing that happened in First Samuel 8. Exactly. When Israel Israel demanded another king. And, and, and God was like, this is what you're going to get when you do that, when you reject me. And he said at the end, he said, you're, he, he said, you're rejecting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about that as a Christian. When you are going and pushing for political power or political candidate, you are rejecting Jesus Christ is your king. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in 1 Samuel 8 as it was in the New Testament, as it is in 2022. Mm-hmm. It has not changed. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting Jesus Christ if you're going and pushing for a king, a ruler, other than the one that you already have. The best one we could possibly imagine. Yeah. Who only wants what's best for us. He's not stealing from us. He's not killing us. He just wants what's best for us. He wants us to live fruitful lives and be and, and live without fear. The state wants you to be afraid. 
That's how they keep their authority. He also wants our whole selves. Like, yeah. If we say I give my life to you, that means everything. Like all your all your money, all your time, and your family, and your land, and your house, and your body, and your mind, the thoughts you think, and the words you say. Everything is dedicated to the one that you say this is yours. And if we if we say I pledge allegiance, it doesn't just mean like I'm glad to be part of this club. Um, you know. I'm I'm grateful for you guys not being worse tyrants than you possibly could be. Um, <laughs> it's it's saying like I'm giving myself and my resources, my heart, my thoughts are towards you. My adoration, you know, um, my money, my time. If you need me to fight, I'll fight. Um, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. And that's the kind of stuff that we should be praying, you know, like. I give myself to you. I, I give you my thoughts. I give you my time. I give you my heart. And whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. So, yeah, it is. Uh, I feel like it's a whatever part of us is still under the principalities and powers and allied with them is a part that isn't surrendered to Christ yet. And I don't know how to make that any more like an easier pill to swallow or, you know, to be more tactful about it. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. It really is what it is. And that's it. You know, being tactful and trying to be tactful, I just don't think that's part of my nature. And You know, I don't have anybody to blame but God. He created me this way. I'm just going to blame it on God for making me this way. <laughs> that's my fallback on, you know, and, and that's garbage, but I, you know what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> it's, it is what it is. Jesus is king. We're Christians. Let's start behaving that way. Who is our king? You know, don't quit worrying about who's going to be the next president, who's going to be the next ruler over us. It doesn't matter. We already have one. Mm -hmm. And he's the best one possible, the very best one possible. Also, you know, when you were talking about Rosa Parks and then Martin Luther King and and not going violent against the state, I really feel like that those powers feed on negative energy. Like they get more powerful. Um, they don't care if you love them or or hate them. They probably prefer if you hate them because you you throw all of this negative energy at them. And I feel like like whatever violence you use or whatever hate you use it's going to come like be amplified and be returned to you um they they that's their game you know you can't beat them at their own game you just beat them well they only understand violence right. they only understand that and so if you're if you're reacting violently towards them their violence increases and that's why romans 12 says like love your enemies Feed, feed your enemies. If your enemy's hungry, feed them. Don't return, you know, evil for evil. And he was talking about Romans, you know. Yeah. He, like that—that that is the 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 passage before Romans thirteen, saying, "If your enemy is hungry, feed them." They're not going to expect that. <laughs> we we were talking to. Uh... Alexander uh, Christianopolis about his book on Christian anarchism. We were talking about the state a little bit. And I told him, I said, you know, when I use that term, the state, I'm not using it as a term of endearment. I'm using it as a pejorative. I'm making fun of them, you know? And, and I told him, I said, it's really difficult. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies. <laughs> and the state is our enemy. Let's be, let's be real. Right. And Paul and Peter knew that. It's very difficult to love those people. And, you know, but like, but I think that's a good example. Right. Feed them. 
that's how you change their minds. Give them some food. <laughs> how much happier are people when they get to eat? You know, it just start it stop harming them. So the last thing that you when you when you ended this article, by the way, this is a great article, folks. If y'all have not had a chance to read it, go to thebadroman.com and check out this article titled The Dream of the City to Come. Do you not trust God? But the very last sentence in this article is a quote or is a scripture from Hebrews 13, 14. I love this because you said, here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And you were talking earlier about getting excited, being ex- showing your excitement for that. And that's how we could change some minds. Let's, let's talk about that just for a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not even sure what it's going to look like. You know, I'm not, I'm not dogmatic on my eschatology. I think it's supposed to be a mystery. You know, that's why it says like seal up the words of the book. But I know that something really good is coming. And I grew up in a tradition where it's like always like, dig a hole and climb inside with lots of food and ammunition kind of, you know, like it's going to be bad. Um, <laughs> I don't know that that's a paraphrase, but um, it is like how bad it's going to be all the time. And you just like, you just have like this knot in your stomach about the future. And with, but when I see all the promises about the new world that he's creating is creating and will create at the same time, it's like, this is going to be really good. It says the the former things will not be remembered or brought to mind. Like we won't even think about this trouble. Like we, it won't, it won't even pop into our heads. That should be exciting to Christians. It's awesome. It is awesome. It should be exciting to Christians. Even because I love that dude, because I, we, we, we really should think about that more because I love that because it, it, it makes us wonder. We have this childlike wonderment when we're thinking about something like this, you know, and because we 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 struggle so much with different things in this world, and just the idea that that stuff's going away at some point should excite us. And so when we see him as he is, then we'll be like him. Isn't that crazy? And then you know we'll just be living in we'll just be living in this new reality, and um, you know I, some of the the details you know, or like hinted at here and there, but I, I like all the nations come to Zion, which is like the headquarters. I feel like, I don't know if it's a, a literal place or, or not, but they come to Jesus and say, teach us a new way to live. And it says, then the law goes out from Zion. This is in Micah and Isaiah, the same verbatim prophecy. The law goes out from Zion. They return to their homes, having learned Christ's law, and that's when they they beat their swords into plowshares. It's like, all right, we're done doing things this way. Like that, that was really sick. We're learning a new way to live. Um, so we can, you know, we can be the testimony to what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do by saying He is doing it. He's doing it in my life. You know, like I I am, uh, and we're you know imperfect representatives for sure <laughs> uh, but it's pretty scary to think that you know people look at us and say oh yeah that's what jesus is like it's like no really not really um but just to say like my life is being changed because i said i want to be part of your eternal project to to change the world into what you want it to be and i believe that your plan will ultimately be accomplished it's inevitable 
and that you know like the stone came and smashed the statue and it blew away into dust and then the, the mountain the stone became a mountain that lasted forever it's basically saying the destruction of this current state of things is inevitable and the establishment of the eternal kingdom of christ is inevitable like you you don't have to wonder who's gonna win it's already it's already done yeah that's so cool that is so cool to even just just to just to put that in that perspective and think about it that way i don't know if, if we can do it on a daily basis if it's possible to do it on a daily basis but to think about this and keep that at our forefront keep that in our in our mind's eye to you know to remember there's something coming and it's way better than what's going on right now. We need to tell everybody about it. And it's certainly not through the state. I keep stressing this so much with Christian. It's certainly not through the state. And if we're, if he's made one family out of all, like a, a people that wasn't a people out of every nation, tribe, and kindred, and tongue, and everything, then we have brothers and sisters that speak every language on earth and, and are under every nation, state, on planet earth. And we're one with them. We, we're one in Christ. We're part of, we're part of what He's got going on, and so you, you know you look at like, well, those people are are bombing those people, and which one's the good guys and which one's the bad guys and which side am I on? It's like, I'm sure that they, I've got brothers and sisters on both sides that I'm one with. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's the reality for me. That is something I've tried to be more intentional about myself is when I look at another person, even if it's a stranger, if I don't know, and if they're behaving in a way that's not, that I don't agree with, but I still have to, but I start to remember, you know, God created that person too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that person <laughs> is your brother or sister, even if they're, you know, and then they could see me acting, behaving a certain way, like that guy calls himself a Christian, you know, <laughs> that's something I've always been a, afraid of is, is is my biggest fear is being a uh, stumbling block to somebody else. I try to be intentional about this very subject. Yeah. It's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. And, and, and just in keeping this, this, this no King, but Christ being very uh, principled about it and very strict. About, I'm very strict about this, about this topic because you see a lot, you see Christians kind of wavering back and we see it with, you know, especially libertarians, you know, they they might get away from it and they go to like anarchism and then all of a sudden there's, oh, this new guy might be cool. He might give us what we need, more freedoms. And then they waver back into that that garbage. To me, consistency is is more of a statement to somebody that's watching you that you don't even realize they're watching you. If you're consistent in what you, with this, this thing, Jesus is my king. Anyway, Man, I really appreciate you taking the time to write for us. This is uh, it's one of the coolest things about this project is the is the folks that come on and, and offer to write for us. It's something we started very early on because I was I was talking to our producer about it. I said, you know, because she wanted us to do a start a blog when we were first talking about doing a podcast. Like a blog, come on, man! I ain't got time to write. I ain't got time to do all that. But people offered to write in the beginning. I asked people to write in the beginning. And then I, I, I would text her one night. I was at work. I was like, hey, why Cause I, I, and I got this idea from listening to the Scott Horton show. Because if you listen to a lot of the folks that he's talking to, it's people that write for antiwar.com. Mm-hmm. And I texted her. I was like, hey, why don't we just reach out and see if people want to write for us? 
that'll fill up our blog. That'll give something, you know, something for people to read. People like to read rather than listen to Craig, I promise. <laughs> so <laughs> if we could give them that, and she goes, that's a great idea. And that's what we- well, it takes all kinds. You know? Oh, absolutely. That's what I love about the Bad Roman Project is the, is the differing perspectives. I mean, if, if I just got behind a microphone and hollered at people right. every show, nobody's going to listen to that garbage. But I can get somebody like Jonathan on who may have a, see something a little different than I do. He's going he's gonna to reach somebody that I can't. And that's what, what's so important to me is to be able to reach folks that, that I can't. Mm-hmm. You, know, that's, you know, that's what I love so much about Abby is, is, is her, her perspective, the way she sees things. She's, I pick on her some because I tell her, I said, you're the smartest person I know. And she, she hates that. But I'm going to continue to say it because I think she's the smartest person I know because the way she can look at a, a topic and be very sweet about it, but she's very, <laughs> I told her one time, I said, you do this like this drive-by snark. <laughs> it's so funny the way she, the way she handles people, especially when you see her talking to folks online. Anyway, enough praise for Abby. We're going to talk about Jesus. Anyway, dude, I'm going to uh, let you get out of here and get back to your family. Looks like you have a beautiful day behind you. But yeah, if you ever, uh, if you ever want to start selling your stuff, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll plug you. If you got anything you want to plug, you know, before I let you get out of here, um, I I don't really have any direction to point people, but I appreciate it. All right, cool. So yeah, if y'all want to know more about Jonathan, go check out his article on thebadroman.com. He's got another article as well, and I, the the title is escaping me. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but that one's gonna, a message to warriors. There it is. Yeah, and I, I want to get you back on to talk about that as well because I think you were really thinking about a lot of things when you wrote that, and it. I think you touched on it a, a, a little bit here, but we'll get you back on. Maybe this time Abby won't be sick and we can, we can talk with her as well about that article. If you're interested in coming back on. It sounds good. Oh yeah, buddy. I, I really appreciate it. I, I like being able to talk. This is our first time really getting to, to have a conversation. You know, we, we, we talk something messaging and, and online and stuff, but it's kind of cool to be able to see a person and, and have this conversation. Cause when we, we get done here, we got to go back out there in that world or, People are going to look at us sideways. Somebody asked me one time, what are you doing with the Bad Roman Project? I said, we're turning people's worldviews upside down. And that's what we're trying to do. And I, and I think it's, it, it, you know, it confuses folks, but I love it. I like to see the wheels turning in their, in their brains because they're going to come back later. It might be a month later, but they're going to come back and say something else to you. Then it starts a whole other conversation because they're thinking. That's one thing I loved about Jesus, his tack. His tactics, you know, he's he, he would he would respond with questions and it made people walk away thinking. That's all we got to do is get people thinking and we're going to change some stuff. All right, buddy, I'm going to let you get out of here and get back to your family and we will talk soon. Thank you very much. All right. You as well. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com.